0: Australia's premier user experience design conference. This is UX Australia 2018. Farai Madzima, one of the uh, keynote speakers here at UX Australia 2018. And did he wow the audience or what at uh, the conference uh, on day two? Welcome and, uh, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for making the opportunity and for your kind words. What do you love about UX Australia 2018? Because you've been here for a couple of days now, haven't you? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, so, so it's my first time in Australia, first time at UX Australia. Um, it's a great an- introduction to the community here in, um, in, in Australia. I think the thing that I've loved the most is uh, people's willingness to uh, talk about the challenges that they're facing. Um, and this is the stuff that they're talking about outside of the talks. So it sounds like a lot of the talks are triggering you know things that people are worried about at their desks or in their teams and then they're coming out and they're like, "Yo, let's talk about this thing, let's talk about that and I think that's a, a fantastic uh, opportunity for the community to share the challenges they're facing and to share solutions, not just to rely on the speakers and say, oh you're the expert, you're going to tell us, but also among themselves they're also finding the opportunity to kind of go, oh I'm also seeing that, how are you dealing with it and I think that's a fantastic thing.
0: Are our challenges and solutions the same as anywhere else in the world, do you think? I think
1: um, the, the, design, the challenges of uh, making great products, building great organizations, and looking after people well, I think those challenges are universal. The context in which we do that then are the nuances, sometimes subtle, sometimes not so subtle, that then make some of those challenges uniquely Australian or uniquely South African or Zimbabwean or American.
0: You um, opened your presentation on day two uh, by telling an, uh, some extraordinary stories, and there were, were many. But just sort of walk us through, if you can, you're you you, you, uh, you you're originally from South Africa. I'm originally from Zimbabwe, actually. Oh, Zimbabwe, yeah, from Zimbabwe. Yeah, yeah. So you're originally from, from Zimbabwe, yeah. but um, your life has taken you to, to, to many different places. Yeah, so originally I was born in, in Zimbabwe. Um,
1: I left uh, after high school in 1999, and um, I was going to the UK, I was going to be a pediatrician. Um, and then soon after that, I discovered I didn't have the grades to actually <laughs> become a pediatrician. And so, um, but I stumbled on a course which is around studying uh, digital media um, and the intersection between digital media and, or, or digital stuff and art. And that's where I came across human computer interaction. Um, and user experience design was introduced to me as uh, a practice, a thing that you could do, a thing you could do to get paid. I um, think that you don't hear much in, in, in Africa. But nevertheless, uh, I studied that, um, then started working in the UK. I worked there for about 10, 11 years um, and then left to go to South Africa. Um, having been born in Africa, um, I miss the sunshine and um, great opportunities in London. But you can't buy the sun. <laughs> so, um, so, so left, went to South Africa um, and then lived there for seven years. And that was a fantastic time in my career to be able to, I guess, develop myself um, and to develop kind of my craft as well um, in a different context. Um, And then more recently, literally nine, ten months ago, um, I left South Africa and moved to Canada to join Shopify. Um, And that's where I've been, uh, you know, applying my trade for the last few
0: months. You say that you um, learned or you sharpened or developed your craft in in places like South Africa. What did you do there that was particularly... Um, groundbreaking for you or important in your journey? Right. So um,
1: having worked in the, in, in the UK, um, our trade in London um, and in Europe in general is probably at the, the leading or bleeding edge, some might say, right? Of, of what we do. Obviously, there'll be a range, but they are well advanced. They, for example, the customers know what they're buying when they buy UX. Moving to South Africa, um, I remember when I left um, and my wife was asking me, what the hell are we doing? Um, I was looking for jobs. And there were literally three job ads for user experience design. And this was back in 2011 in South Africa. So the, the industry was very young. Not to say that I was vastly experienced, but what that did is it gave me an opportunity to um, look at what I was doing, probably from, from first principles, as someone who's beginning as opposed to somebody who's trying to break into something that is established. I also got the opportunity to operate as someone who was beginning and to learn with others while having had some some international experience. And that meant that um, I was watching and being a part of companies, uh, understanding what user experience design is, understanding the value of it and why they should be investing in it and investing in people who can do it, um, people who uh, are studying it people who were trying to teach it um, and a community that was growing Um, and so um, I saw I run a conference out there now Um, so before I left I started Pixel Up uh, a
0: user user experience and design conference simply because there was nothing You focused on cultural bias in your presentation today what do you mean by that? So um, I'll try to tell a story maybe to to kind of explain it Uh, so
1: um, having left Zimbabwe I went to the UK and I was working in a a small company um, and during my work there, I struggled to communicate with my boss directly. Ultimately, uh, this led to me making some mistakes that got me fired from my job. Um, the mistakes I had made were not mistakes of competence. They were not technical mistakes. But rather, I was struggling to have uh, a clear line of communication between my boss and myself. And I didn't know what that meant until I was exposed to uh, the work of Herth Hofstetter, where he explains this idea of power distance index, the idea that If you are from certain cultures, the way you see people who are your bosses or your seniors, um, you can see those people either as equals, or you could see them on one side of the scale, or you could see them as almost godlike on the other side, and everything in between. And I learned that the culture that I come from, the Shona culture in Zimbabwe, um, people who are your senior are people who are close to being untouchable. And so, that behavior that I had learned as a child of how to relate to people in power was something that I was bringing to my work and was stopping me from relating to my bosses in a more peer-like way. And that was a thing I didn't understand I was doing until I'd made the mistakes, until I had failed these communications, got fired, and then read about it in a book by Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers. And then looking back, I was like, oh, this is what's happening. The things that are influencing how I'm showing up at work are more than just... personality thing they're not technical skills but rather there is something about my culture not to say that culture is an excuse for the mistakes that i made but rather it is an influence that uh, shows up in my life in my work that i need to be aware of um, that biases me to act in certain ways and we all have these things now you spoke about multiculturalism here in australia and You know, just after my talk today, I've met lots of folks from different places who are living in Australia who were saying, oh, I didn't realize that, you know, these are the differences that, you know, or I'm behaving this way, even though I'm Australian. Um, My origin is actually from somewhere else. And I have a cultural thing that shows up in my work that I didn't know was born of the culture that I'm from. Um, and so those are the biases that I speak of that are um, things that ident- you know, that influence the way we uh, disagree, the way we engage with conflict, the way we lead, uh, the way we communicate, that we don't know our culture is influencing us in those ways. And that's, that's, that's the essence of the talk is that we need to be more aware of those cultural biases and how they show up at work and in our teams,
0: so that we can put diversity to work for the positive. At that point when you, when you read that book and you had that aha moment when things changed, how quickly did it change for you? It's still changing. I'm not done. Um, and it's really, really hard because
1: it's, it's, it's a daily choice. Um, some behaviours that I had learned for 18 years, the, the formative years in my life, um, I, I, I couldn't switch them off. But rather I could identify when they come up and try and adjust for them when they are not to my benefit. Um, so it is a, a constant piece of work for me. Um, sometimes tiring, but you have to be kind to yourself um, and you have to know that we're always learning and to know that this is how it works. Um, In teams, it's become more of a a practice of helping other people in teams to identify their own biases um, using tools like Erin Meyer's culture mapping tools. Um, And then as a team agreeing on how do we want to behave now that we identify the fact that we all have our different biases. So um, it wasn't a switch that I could flick, but rather
0: it is a decision that I have to make every day. Is it easier for some to make that transition? You say it's ongoing, and rightly so, but are there other people who perhaps haven't had that opportunity to mix with different cultures at an, at an early stage in their life? Do they find it more challenging when they enter the workforce? Um, I think that might be true. Um, I, I,
1: I couldn't say I have any evidence, but what I will say is um, people who are willing to listen before they speak Um, and to give other folks the benefit of the doubt are more likely to learn how other people are Um, and those folks i think will probably succeed more when we are trying to build multicultural teams and multicultural organizations Mm
0: -hmm. so the work that you're doing now is is focusing primarily on this sort of cultural area or is this just one of the many fields that you're practicing in
1: yeah, so I'm a UX lead now, so I'm, I'm, I've got kind of product and design problems that I, that I help you know, the Shopify to solve. Um, this is a personal interest of mine, um, which is why my talk is, I, I guess, full, filled with personal stories. Um, and it's something that I, am un, I have learned this year that uh, not enough people are talking about in the design world. Um, in ex- business executive land, um, this is something that is discussed. When you're trying to strike multi-billion dollar deals between America and China, someone's going to pay attention to the cultural nuances that might affect that deal. But when we are talking about wireframes or design, maybe people don't think those stakes are as high. Um, and I think that, you know, um, since I stumbled on it and I've seen the influence of it, I've just been interested in helping other people to see the same thing.
0: It's a personal, a personal journey for you. Absolutely. As well as a professional. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, uh, rising tide lifts all boats, you know, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, in, in your other line of work, Coming to a, a conference of, of this magnitude, 850 from all walks of life, what excites you about the future when you see so many, uh, so many people here? Um, so I think uh, there, there are several, I guess, uh,
1: things when you meet new people. So having lived in lots of different countries, um, I see travel and meeting new people as, a, as an opportunity to, to, to grow myself um, and to expand my perspectives. Um, And so the thing I look forward to more is that these uh, multicultural teams, these multicultural events like UX Australia that we're trying to create um, will continue to expand people's perspectives so that um, our view of the world continually grows um, because when we do that, our opportunity to improve and to act in a way that
0: recognizes the differences we have in the world is increased. And your view of the world from a UX point of view over the next five to ten years—what excites you? Ooh, I, I couldn't even begin. Eh?
1: So, so, so a thing about me—I struggle with like future planning and seeing into the future. Um, I, I will. So, the response I'll give is actually one that uh, Steve Portugal. I, I don't know if you've spoken to him already, but um, so, but he had. A, he was asked a similar question yesterday, and I'd never thought about it until he spoke about it. But I really agreed with what he said, which was the idea that. Um, the future is maybe always associated with better when actually right here, right now, there are some interesting challenges that we need to be solving around just brilliant basics. And I'm really excited, you know, to see how we can look at basic things and go, geez, we, we haven't even got this right yet, let alone trying to step towards whatever the new fantastic thing is. And so uh, my interest is, uh, I guess, a, a continued focus on getting the basics done right.
0: And what does the rest of 2018
1: uh, hold for you? So um, 2018 has been, been an amazing mm-hmm. year for me. Um, I've, you know being Australia, France New York, San Francisco just with this, with this one talk, it's been, it's been fantastic but I think it's time to chill for a bit <laughs> uh, knuckle down um, and, and maybe, you know, I, I want to do some more thinking. I've been doing a lot of talking um, and I think a good opportunity to reflect on um, all the experiences I've had uh, and maybe, you know, something new will come out of that. But I think, uh, yeah, the rest of the year for me is more about reflection than, than, than uh, saying stuff.
0: Well, enjoy the rest of your time in, in our country, Australia. Um, congratulations on the work that you're doing and the, the, uh, the effect that you're having on people, the positive impact you're having on people. And uh, thanks for joining us on our podcast today. Cool.
1: Fantastic, Anthony. Thank you very much to you and your team for creating this opportunity and for getting these words out. I appreciate it.